Welcome to the Rattle Fiction Podcast, episode 21. Today I'll be reading the first three chapters of Eliezer Yudkowsky's Beisutsukai series. Beisu is the Japanese pronunciation of Beis, and Sukai is the Japanese word for user. So it is the Beis User series. I'm your host, David Jandro. Chapter 1, Initiation Ceremony The torches that lit the narrow stairwell burned intensely, and in the wrong color, flame like melting gold or shattered suns. 192, 193. Brennan's sandals clicked softly on the stone steps, snicking in sequence, like dominoes, very slowly falling. 227. 228. Half a circle ahead of him, a trailing fringe of dark cloth whispered down the stairs, the robed figure itself staying just out of sight. 239. 240. Not much longer, Brennan predicted to himself, and his guess was accurate. Sixteen times sixteen steps was the number, and they stood before the portal of glass. The great curved gate had been wrought with cunning, humor, and close attention to indices of refraction. It warped light, bent it, folded it, and generally abused it, so that there were hints of what was on the other side. Stronger light sources, dark walls, but no possible way of seeing through, unless, of course, you had the key, the counter door, thick for thin and thin for thick, in which case the two would cancel out. From the robed figure beside Brennan, two hands emerged gloved in reflective cloth to conceal the skin's color. Fingers like slim mirrors grasped the handles of the warped gate, handles that Brennan had not guessed. In all that distortion, shapes could only be anticipated, not seen. Do you want to know? whispered the guide, a whisper nearly as loud as an ordinary voice but not revealing the slightest hint of gender. Brennan paused. The answer to the question seemed suspiciously, indeed extraordinarily obvious, even for ritual. Yes, Brennan said, finally. The guide only regarded him silently. Yes, I want to know, said Brennan. Know what, exactly, whispered the figure. Brennan's face scrunched up in concentration, trying to visualize the game to its end and hoping he hadn't blown it already, until finally he fell back on the first and last resort, which is the truth. It doesn't matter, said Brennan. The answer is still yes. The glass gate parted down the middle and slid, with only the tiniest scraping sound, into the surrounding stone. The revealed room was lined wall to wall with figures robed and hooded in light-absorbing cloth. The straight walls were not themselves black stone, but mirrored, tiling a square grid of dark robes out to infinity in all directions, so that it seemed as if the people of some much vaster city or Perhaps the whole humankind watched in assembly. 
There was a hint of moist warmth in the air of the room, the breath of the gathered, a scent of crowds. Brennan's guide moved to the center of the square where burned four torches of that relentless yellow flame. Brennan followed, and when he stopped, he realized with a slight shock that all the cowled hoods were now looking directly at him. Brennan had never before in his life been the focus of such absolute attention. It was frightening, but not entirely unpleasant. Here he is, said the guide in that strange, loud whisper. The endless grip of robed figures replied in one voice, perfectly blended, exactly synchronized, so that not a single individual could be singled out from the rest and betrayed. Who is absent? Jacob Bernoulli, intoned the guide, and the walls replied, is dead but not forgotten. Abraham de Moivre is dead but not forgotten. Pierre Simon Laplace is dead but not forgotten. Edwin Thompson Janes is dead but not forgotten. They died, said the guide, and they are lost to us, but we still have each other, and the project continues. In the silence, the guide turned to him and stretched forth a hand in which rested a small ring of nearly transparent material. Brennan stepped forward to take the ring, but the hand clenched tightly shut. If three-fourths of the humans in this room are women, said the guide, and three-fourths of the women and half of the men belong to the heresy of virtue, and I am a virtuist, what is the probability that I am a man? Two elevenths, Brennan said confidently. There was a moment of absolute silence, then a titter of shocked laughter. The guide's whisper came again, truly quiet this time, almost non-existent. It's one-sixth, actually. Brennan's cheeks were flaming so hard that he thought his face might fall off. The instinct was very strong to run out of the room and up the stairs and flee the city and change his name and start his life over again and get it right this time. An honest mistake is at least honest, said the guide, louder now, and we may know the honesty by its relinquishment. If I am a virtuist, what is the probability that I am a man? One, Brennan started to say. Then he stopped. Again, the horrible silence. Just say one-sixth already, stage whispered the figure, this time loud enough for the walls to hear. Then there was more laughter, not all of it kind. Brennan was breathing rapidly, and there was sweat on his forehead. If he was wrong about this, he really was going to flee the city. Three-fourths women times three-fourths virtuous is nine-sixteenths female virtuists in this room. One-fourth men times one-half virtuists is two-sixteenths male virtuists. If I have only that information and the fact that you are a virtuist, I would then estimate the odds at two to nine, or 
a probability of two elevenths that you are male. Though, I do not in fact believe the information given is correct. For one thing, it seems too neat. For another, there are an odd number of people in the room. The hand stretched out again and opened. Brennan took the ring. It looked almost invisible in the torchlight. Not glass, but some material with a refractive index very close to air. The ring was warm from the guide's hand and felt like a tiny living thing as it embraced his finger. The relief was so great that he nearly didn't hear the cowled figures applauding. From the robed guide came one last whisper. You are now a novice of the Bayesian Conspiracy. End the Initiation Ceremony Chapter 2 The Failures of Eld Science This time, there were no robes, no hoods, no masks. Students were expected to become friends and allies, and everyone knew why you were in the classroom. It would have been pointless to pretend you weren't in the conspiracy. Their sensei was Jeffrey Sai, who might have been the best of his era in his era. His students were either the most promising learners or those whom the Beitsusukai saw political advantage in molding. Brennan fell into the latter category and knew it, nor had he hesitated to use his mistress's name to open doors. You used every avenue available to you in seeking knowledge. That was respected here. For over thirty years, Jeffrey's sigh said, not one of them saw it, not Einstein, not Schrodinger, not even von Neumann. He turned away from his sketcher and toward the classroom. I pose to you the question, how did they fail? The students exchanged quick glances, a calculation of mutual risk between the wary and the merely baffled. Jeffrey's sigh was known to play games. Finally, Hiriwa, called the black, leaned forward, jangling slightly as her equation-carved bracelets shifted on her ankles. By your years given, Sensei, this was 250 years after Newton. Surely the scientists of that era must have grokked the concept of a universal law. Knowing the universal law of gravity, said the student Taji from a nearby seat, is not the same thing as understanding the concept of a universal law. He was one of the promising ones, as was Hariwa. Hariwa frowned. No, it was said that Newton had been praised for discovering the first universal, even in his own era. So it was known. Hariwa paused. But Newton himself would have been gone. Was there a religious injunction against proposing the universals? Hariwa paused. Did they refrain out of respect for Newton, or were they waiting for his ghost to speak? I am not clear on how eld science was motivated. No, murmured Taji, a laugh in his voice. You really, really aren't. Jeffrey's sigh expression was kindly. Hiriwa, it wasn't religion, and it wasn't lead in the drinking water, and they didn't all have Alzheimer's, and they weren't sitting around all day reading web comics. Forget the catalog of horrors out of ancient times. Just think in terms of cognitive errors. 
What could Eld Science have been thinking wrong? Hiriwa sat back with a sigh. Sensei, I truly cannot imagine a snafu that would do that. It wouldn't be just one mistake, Taji corrected her. As the saying goes, mistakes don't travel alone, they hunt in packs. But the entire human species, said Hiriwa, 30 years? It wasn't the entire human species, Hiriwa, said Sterling. He was one of the older-looking students, wearing a short beard speckled in gray. Maybe one in a hundred thousand could have written out of Schrodinger's equation from memory. So that would have been their first and primary error, failure to concentrate their forces. Spare us the propaganda, Jeffrey's side gaze was suddenly fierce. You are not here to proselytize for the cooperative conspiracy, my lord politician. Bend not the truth to make your points. I believe your conspiracy has a phrase, comparative advantage. Do you really think it would have helped to call in the whole human species as it existed at the time to debate quantum physics? Sterling didn't flinch. Perhaps not, Sensei, he said. But if you are to compare that era to this one, it is a consideration. Jeffrey's sigh moved his hand flatly through the air, the maybe gesture he used to dismiss an argument that was true, but not relevant. It's not what I would call a primary mistake. The puzzle should not have required a billion physicists to solve. I can think of more specific ancient horrors, said Taji, spending all day writing grant proposals, teaching undergraduates who would rather be somewhere else, needing to publish 30 papers a year to get tenure? But we are not speaking of only the lower status scientists, said Yin, who wore a slightly teasing grin. It was said of Schrodinger that he retired to a villa for a month with his mistress to provide inspiration, and emerged with his eponymous equation. We consider it a famous historical success of our methodology. Some eld physicists did understand how to focus their mental energies and would have been senior enough to do so had they chose. True, said Taji. In the end, administrative burdens are only a generic obstacle. Likewise, such answers as they were not trained in probability theory and did not know of cognitive biases. Our sensei seems to desire some more specific reply. Jeffrey's sigh lifted an eyebrow encouragingly. Don't dismiss your line of thought so quickly, Taji. It begins to be relevant. What kind of system would create administrative burdens on its own people? A system that has failed to support its people adequately, said Sterling. One that has failed to value their work. Ah, said Jeffrey Sigh. But there is a student who has not yet spoken. Brennan. Brennan didn't jump. He deliberately waited just long enough to show he wasn't scared, and then said, Lack of pragmatic motivation, Sensei. Jeffrey's sigh smiled slightly. Expand.
What kind of system would create administrative burdens on its own people? Their sensei had asked them. The other students were pursuing their own lines of thought. Brennan, hanging back, had more attention to spare for his teacher's few hints. Being the beginner wasn't always a disadvantage, and he had been taught, long before the Bayesians took him in, to take every possible advantage. The Manhattan Project, Brennan said, was launched with a specific technological end in sight, a weapon of great power in time of war. But the error that Eld Science committed with respect to quantum physics had no immediate consequences for their technology. They were confused, but they had no desperate need for an answer. Otherwise, the surrounding system would have removed all burdens from their effort to solve it. Surely the Manhattan Project must have done so. Taji, do you know? Taji looked thoughtful. Not all burdens, but I'm pretty sure they weren't writing grant proposals in the middle of their work. So, Jeffrey's sigh said. He advanced a few steps, stood directly in front of Brennan's desk. You think Eld scientists simply weren't trying hard enough because their art had no military applications? A rather competitive point of view, I should think. Not necessarily, Brennan said calmly. Pragmatism is a virtue of rationality also. A desired use for a better quantum theory would have helped the Eld scientists in many ways beyond just motivating them. It would have given shape to their curiosity and told them what constituted success or failure. Jeffrey sighed, chuckled slightly. Don't guess so hard what I might prefer to hear, competitor. Your first statement came closer to my hidden mark. Your oh-so-Bayesian disclaimer fell wide. The factor I had in mind, Brennan, was that L scientists thought it was acceptable to take 30 years to solve a problem. Their entire social process of science was based on getting to the truth eventually. A wrong theory got discarded eventually once the next generation of students grew up familiar with the replacement. Work expands to fill the time allotted, as the saying goes, but people can think important thoughts in far less than 30 years if they expect speed of themselves. Jeffrey sighed suddenly, slammed down a hand on the arm of Brennan's chair. How long do you have to dodge a thrown knife? Very little time, sensei. Less than a second. Two opponents are attacking you. How long do you have to guess who's more dangerous? Less than a second, sensei. The two opponents have split up and are attacking two of your girlfriends. How long do you have to decide which one you truly love? Less than a second, sensei. A new argument shows your precious theory is flawed. How long do you have to change your mind? Less than a second, sensei. Wrong! Don't give me the wrong answer just because it fits a convenient pattern and I seem to expect it of you. How long does it really take, Brennan? Sweat was forming on Brennan's back, but he stopped and actually thought about it. Answer, Brennan! No, Sensei. I am not finished thinking, Sensei. An answer would be premature. Sensei. Very good, 
continue, but don't take 30 years. Brennan breathed deeply, reforming his thoughts. He finally said, Realistically, Sensei, the best case scenario is that I would see the problem immediately, use the discipline of suspending judgment, try to reaccumulate all the evidence before continuing, and, depending on how emotionally attached I had been to the theory, use the crisis of belief technique to ensure I could genuinely go either way. So, at least five minutes and perhaps up to an hour. Good! You actually thought about it that time. Think about it every time. Break patterns. In the days of Eld Science, Brennan, it was not uncommon for a grant agency to spend six months reviewing a proposal. They permitted themselves the time. You are being graded on your speed, Brennan. The question is not whether you get there eventually. Anyone can find the truth in 5,000 years. You need to move faster. Yes, Sensei. Now, Brennan, have you just learned something new? Yes, Sensei. How long did it take you to learn this new thing? An arbitrary choice there. Less than a minute, Sensei, from the boundary that seemed most obvious. Less than a minute, Jeffrey sigh repeated. So, Brennan, how long do you think it should take to solve a major scientific problem if you are not wasting any time? Now, there was a trapped question if Brennan had ever heard one. There was no way to guess what time period Jeffrey's sigh had in mind, what the sensei would consider too long or too short, which meant that the only way out was just to try for the genuine truth. This would offer him the defense of honesty, little defense though it was. One year, sensei, do you think... It could be done in one month, Brennan, in a case, let us stipulate, where in principle you already have enough experimental evidence to determine an answer, but not so much experimental evidence that you can afford to make errors in interpreting it. Again, no way to guess which answer Jeffrey Sy might want. One month seems like an unrealistically short time to me, Sensei. Short time? Jeffrey sigh said incredulously. How many minutes in thirty days? Hiriwa! Forty-three thousand two hundred, Sensei, she answered. If you assume sixteen-hour waking periods and daily sleep, then twenty-eight thousand eight hundred minutes. Assume, Brennan, that it takes five whole minutes to think an original thought, rather than learning it from someone else. Does even a major scientific problem require 5,760 distinct insights? I confess, Sensei, Brennan said slowly, that I have never thought of it that way before. But do you tell me that this is a truly realistic level of productivity? No said Jeffrey sigh, but neither is it realistic to think that a single problem requires 5,760 insights, and yes, it has been done. Jeffrey sigh stepped back and smiled benevolently. Every student in the room stiffened. They knew that smile. Though none of you hit the particular answer that I had in mind, nonetheless, your answers were as reasonable as mine. 
except Sterling's, I'm afraid. Even Hariwa's answer was not entirely wrong. The task of proposing new theories was once considered a sacred duty reserved for those of high status, there being a limited supply of problems in circulation at that time. But Brennan's answer is particularly interesting, and I am minded to test his theory of motivation. Oh, hell, Brennan said silently to himself. Jeffrey's sigh was gesturing for Brendan to stand up before the class. When Brennan had risen, Jeffrey sigh neatly seated himself in Brennan's chair. Brennan Sensei, Jeffrey sigh said, you have five minutes to think of something stunningly brilliant to say about the failure of old science on quantum physics. As for the rest of us, our job will be to gaze at you expectantly. I can only imagine how embarrassing it will be should you fail to think of anything good. Bastard. Brennan didn't say it out loud. Taji's face showed a certain amount of sympathy. Sterling held himself aloof from the game, but Yin was looking at him with sardonic interest. Worse, Hiriwa was gazing at him expectantly, assuming that he would rise to the challenge. And Jeffrey sighed, was gawking wide-eyed, waiting for the guru's words of wisdom. Screw you, sensei. Brennan didn't panic. It was very, very, very far from being the scariest situation he'd ever faced. He took a long moment to decide how to think, then thought. At four minutes and thirty seconds, Brennan spoke. There was an art to such things, as long as you were doing it anyway— you might as well make it look easy. A woman of wisdom, Brennan said, once told me that it was wisest to regard our past selves as fools beyond redemption, to see the people we once were as idiots entire. I do not necessarily say this myself, but it is what she said to me, and there is more than a grain of truth in it. For as long as we are making excuses for the past, trying to make it look better, respecting it, we cannot make a clean break. It occurs to me that the rule may be no different for human civilizations. So I tried looking back, considering the eld scientists as simple fools. Which they were not, Jeffrey Sigh said. Which they were not, Brennan continued. In terms of raw intelligence, they undoubtedly exceeded me. But it occurred to me that a difficulty in seeing what eld scientists did wrong might have been in respecting the ancient and legendary names too highly. And that did indeed produce an insight. Enough introduction, Brennan, said Jeffrey Sigh. If you found an insight, state it. Eld scientists were not trained. Brennan paused. No, untrained is not the concept. They were trained for the wrong task. At that time, there were no conspiracies, no secret truths. As soon as Eld scientists solved a major problem, they published the solution to the world and each other. Truly scary and confusing open problems would have been in extremely rare supply and used up the moment they were solved. So it would not have been possible to train Eld researchers to bring order out of scientific chaos— they would have been trained for something else. 
I'm not sure what. Trained to manipulate whatever science had already been discovered, said Taji. It was a difficult enough task for L teachers to train their students to use existing knowledge or follow already known methodologies. That was all Eld science teachers aspired to impart. Brennan nodded, which is a very different matter from creating new science of their own. The Eld scientists faced with problems of quantum theory might never have faced that kind of fear before. The dismay of not knowing? The Eld scientists might have seized on unsatisfactory answers prematurely because they were accustomed to working with a neat, agreed-upon body of knowledge. Good, Brennan, murmured Jeffrey sigh. But above all, Brennan continued, an Eld scientist couldn't have practiced the actual problem the quantum scientists faced, that of resolving a major confusion. It was something you did once per lifetime, if you were lucky, and... As Herrera observed, Newton would no longer have been around. So while the Eld physicists who messed up quantum theory were not unintelligent, they were, in a strong sense, amateurs ad-libbing the whole process of paradigm shift. And no probability theory, Herrera noted, so anyone who did succeed at the problem would have no idea what they'd just done they wouldn't be able to communicate it to anyone else, except vaguely. Yes, Sterling said, and it was only a handful of people who could tackle the problem at all, with no training in doing so. Those are the physicists whose names have been passed down to us. A handful of people, making a handful of discoveries each. It would not have been enough to sustain a community. Each eld scientist... Tackling a new paradigm shift would have needed to rediscover the rules from scratch. Jeffrey's sigh rose from Brennan's desk. Acceptable, Brennan. You surprise me. In fact, I shall have to give further thought to this method of yours. Jeffrey's sigh went to the classroom door, then looked back. However, I did have in mind at least one other major flaw of Eld scientist, which none of you suggested. I expect to receive a list of possible flaws tomorrow. I expect the flaw I have in mind to be on the list. You have 480 minutes, excluding sleep time. I see five of you here. The challenge does not require more than 480 insights to solve, nor more than 96 insights in series. And Jeffrey Sigh left the room. End The Failures of Eld Science Chapter 3 Class Project Do as well as Einstein, Jeffrey Sigh said incredulously. Just as well as Einstein. Albert Einstein was a great scientist of his era, but that was his era, not this one. Einstein did not comprehend the Bayesian methods. 
He lived before the cognitive biases were discovered. He had no scientific grasp of his own thought process. Einstein spoke nonsense of an impersonal God, which tells you how well he understood the rhythm of reason to discard it outside his own field. He was too caught up in the drama of rejecting his error's quantum mechanics to actually fix it. And while I grant that Einstein reasoned cleanly in the matter of general relativity, barring that matter of the cosmological constant, he took ten years to do it. Too slow! Too slow? repeated Taji incredulously. Too slow! If Einstein were in this classroom now, rather than Earth of the negative first century, I would wrap his knuckles. You will not try to do as well as Einstein. You will aspire to do better than Einstein, or you may as well not bother. Jeffrey's sigh shook his head. Well, I've given you enough hints. It's time to test your skills. Now, I know that the other Besusukai don't think much of my class projects. Jeffrey Sai paused significantly. Brennan inwardly sighed. He'd heard this line many times before. In the Bardic conspiracy, the competitive conspiracy, the other teachers think my assignments are too easy. You should be grateful, followed by some ridiculously difficult task. They say... Jeffrey Sai said that my projects are too hard, insanely hard, that they pass from the realm of madness into the realm of Sparta, that Laplace himself would catch on fire. They accuse me of trying to tear apart my students' souls. Oh, crap. But there is a reason, Jeffrey Sai said, why many of my students have achieved great things. And by that, I do not mean high rank in the Bayesian conspiracy. I expected much of them, and they came to expect much of themselves. So, Jeffrey sighed, took a moment to look over his increasingly disturbed students. Here is your assignment. Of quantum mechanics and general relativity, you have been told. This is the limit of Eld science, and hence the limit of public knowledge. The five of you, working on your own, are to produce the correct theory of quantum gravity. Your time limit is one month. What? said Brennan, Taji, Sterling, and Yin. Hiriwa gave them a puzzled look. Should you succeed, Jeffrey Sai continued, you will be promoted to Betsukai of the second Dan and sixth level. We will see if you have learned speed. Your clock starts now. And Jeffrey Sai strode out of the room, slamming the door behind him. This is crazy, Taji cried. Hirirwa looked at Taji, bemused. The solution is not known to us. How can you know it is so difficult? Because we knew about this problem back in the Eld days. Eld scientists worked on this problem for a lot longer than one month. Hiriwa shrugged. They were still arguing about many worlds too, weren't they? Enough. There's no time. The other four students looked to Sterling, 
remembering that he was said to rank high in the cooperative conspiracy. There was a brief moment of weighing, of assessing, and then Sterling was their leader. Sterling took a great breath. We need a list of approaches. Write down all the angles you can think of, independently. We need your individual components before we start combining. In five minutes, I'll ask each of you your best idea first. No wasted thoughts. Go. Brennan grabbed a sheet and his tracer, set the tip to the surface, and then paused. He couldn't think of anything clever to say about unifying general relativity and quantum mechanics. The other students were already writing. Brennan tapped the tip once, twice, thrice. General relativity and quantum mechanics. Taji put his first sheet aside, grabbed another. Finally, Brennan, for lack of anything clever to say, wrote down the obvious. Minutes later, when Sterling called time, it was still all he had written. All right, Sterling said, your best idea, or the idea you most want the rest of us to take into account in our second components. Taji, go. Taji looked over his sheets. Okay, I think we've got to assume that every avenue that Eld Science was trying is a blind alley, or they would have found it. And if this is possible to do in one month, the answer must be, in some sense, elegant. No multiple dimensions. If we start doing anything that looks like we should call it string theory, we'd better stop. Maybe begin by considering how failure to understand decoherence would have led Eld science astray in quantizing gravity. The opposite of folly is folly, Hervirwa said. Let us pretend that Eld science never existed. No criticisms yet, said Sterling. Hervirwa, your suggestion. Get rid of the infinities, said Hervirwa. Extirpate that which permits them. It should not be a matter of cleverness with integrals. A representation that allows infinity must be false to fact. Yin. We know from common sense... Yin said, that if we stepped outside the universe, we would see time laid out all at once, reality like a crystal. But I once encountered a hint that physics is timeless in a deeper sense than that. Yin's eyes were distant, remembering. Years ago, I found an abandoned city. It had been uninhabited for errors, I think and behind a door whose locks were broken, carved into one wall, quote, Yua sai e mi vimku tai bu le mesko, unquote. Brennan translated, Eureka! Eliminate T from the equations. And written in Lajban, the sacred language of science, which meant the unknown writer had thought it to be true. The timeless physics, of which we've all heard rumors, Yin said, may be timeless in a very literal sense. My own contribution, Sterling said, that quantum physics we've learned 
is over joint positional configurations. It seems like we should be able to take a part into a spatially local representation in terms of invariant distant entanglements. Finding that reputation might help us integrate with general relativity, whose curvature is local. A strangely individualistic perspective, Taji murmured, for one of the cooperative conspiracy. Sterling shook his head. You misunderstand us, then. The first lesson we learn is that groups are made up of people. No, no, there is no time for politics. Brennan, Brennan shrugged. Not much, I'm afraid. Only the obvious. Inertial mass energy was always observed equal to gravitational mass energy, and Einstein showed that they were necessarily the same. So why is the energy that is an eigenvalue of the quantum Hamiltonian necessarily the same as the energy quantity that appears in the equations of general relativity? Why should space-time curve at the same rate that the little arrows rotate? There was a brief pause. Yin frowned. That seems too obvious. Wouldn't L-science have figured it out already? Forget L-science existed, Hariwa said. The question stands. We need the answer. Whether it was known in ancient times or not, it cannot possibly be a coincidence. Taji's eyes were abstracted. Perhaps it would be possible to show that an exception to the equality would violate some conservation law? That is not where Brennan pointed, Hiriwa interrupted. He did not ask for a proof that they must be set equal, given some appealing principle. He asked for a view in which the two are one and cannot be divided even conceptually as was accomplished for inertial mass energy and gravitational mass energy. For we must assume that the beauty of the whole arises from the fundamental laws and not the other way around. Fair rephrasing? Fair rephrasing, Brennan replied. Silence reigned for 37 seconds as the five pondered the five suggestions. I... Have an idea. And chapter three, class project. And that's the end of episode 21 of the Rattle Fiction Podcast. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the final two chapters of Beisutsukai by Eliezer Yudkowsky.